Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Franchise pros, Stan the Man, Paul Segretto, Bazwitz, baby. <laughs> Franchising today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. Franchise today. Franchise today. Franchise today. Hello, everyone in the franchise world. My name is Paul Segreto, and this is Franchise Today. Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2017. I, of course, am reporting from the Woodlands, Texas, just outside of the hot city, hot and humid city of Houston, joined by my co-host Stan Friedman, a transplanted New Yorker by way of many other states who now is in the great city of Atlanta. Stan, how are you today? You know, Paul, you just got me thinking as you were saying that I have probably lived in as many places as I've worked for franchise brands, and that's a few. Uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely a few, I would say so. So what's going on? Well, Paul, I mean, we have, can you believe we're kind of like halfway through the year already? And uh, <laughs> I've got a full head of steam getting ready for an incredibly terrific summer ahead. Um, I just booked my, my tickets this morning for IFE thinking, hey, well, that's still out there. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's just a few weeks down the road. So, um, yeah, all good here, and um, you can keep the humidity in Houston for my part, Paul. It's been a delightful spring in Atlanta. We, I think we've gotten our audience accustomed to a, a little rapid-fire weather report at the beginning of every week's podcast. may yeah, not know yeah. what's going on anywhere else, but we always know what the weather looks like in Houston and Atlanta, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we sure do, and if you don't know what the weather's like in Atlanta, look at yesterday's weather in Houston, right? <laughs> there you go. So talking about Texas, Paul, I know we've got a um, we've got an exciting guest today in Waco, and we've got another exciting guest on the roster coming up in a few weeks from Waco. But I read something in today's IFA Smart Brief about the Dwyer Group uh, spreading their wings across the pond and bringing on board a groundskeeping franchise in the UK. Um, company called Countrywide Grounds Maintenance, which will bring the, the Dwyer Group's roster of up to 19 service brands now with 2,850 franchisees, 700 employees throughout North America, the UK, and Germany. Wow. Yeah, that is something. And, uh, and as you said, yes, on May 24th, two weeks from today, uh, Dina Dwyer Owens will be returning to Franchise Today, and I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, talking with her about the uh, the recent uh, another growth spurt of the Dwyer Group, but also I'd love to talk to Dina further about her great book, uh, Values Inc. And next week, um, another great entrepreneur, uh, probably the Dina Dwyer Owens of the future, uh, which of course is uh, Jennifer Beale Saxton of the Tot Squad. And Jennifer is uh, in New York City right now as one of the ten finalists of the Tory Birch Entrepreneur Fellowship Award, and um, hopefully wishing and praying she wins because along with it, along with some of the Tory Birch giveaways, which are quite uh, extensive, there's a $100,000 uh, 
uh, grand prize, and of course Jennifer was one of the winners of a past Emerging uh, Brands um, Conference Award. Ashley Morris, the, the CEO of Capriati's, uh, wraps up May with us on May 31st. And in June, although we don't have um, a, uh, a firm date set for them, we do have some confirmations. Uh, Shane Evans from um, Massage Heights, there's a possibility that uh, Glenn Franson, uh, her brother, uh, and CEO of the organization will be on with her. We're trying to get confirmation of that, but one of them will definitely uh, be with us. Gigi of Gigi's Cupcakes uh, will be joining us as well. And then our good friends Lane Fisher and Brad Fishman uh, will be with us in June or July to talk about this fall's Emerging Brands Springboard Conference in Philadelphia, PA. So definitely an exciting time on the calendar for Franchise Today. And before we move forward, I want to thank again Michael Elliott, the CEO and founder of Hammers and Nails. What a great interview last week, Stan. Yeah, that you know, I can't get over his his visionary. Um, you get to see the theater of the mind with this guy. I likened him last week to being like a real estate developer that you and me can look at a, a piece of dirt and go, it's a piece of dirt. A developer would look at that piece of dirt and say, yeah, but over there I see the clubhouse and the pool. I see the tennis courts. This is the way the cul-de-sacs are going to line up. Um, you could just you could just get a sense of his his visionary nature, and he was a terrific guest, and I truly enjoyed talking with him, and we've linked in since then and, and have done a little back-end corresponding. I'm not going to let go of that guy. He's one I, I want to know more about as, as we go forward together. Uh, through the rest of 17 and into 18, and I just see him doing some terrific things. Also, Paul, I think uh, we've got a tentative. I don't know about the date yet, but I think we've got Joyce Mazzaro and Michael Side queued up for That's a right. visit You're to right. talk about You're their right. Franchise Management for Dummies book, which is now out. I've got my autograph copy in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, but it's available for anyone else to find uh, at the Dummies store or at Amazon.com. And by the way, the forward in that book is by IFA President and CEO Robert Crisante. Just a little noteworthy mention there for Robert. Yeah. Um, and then, Paul, there was one other thing that caught my eye that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to raise to your attention, to the audience's attention today. And I'm just searching through my notes, and he, ah, here it is. It's in my, as Rush Limbaugh would say, it's in my stack of stuff. Um, the IFA 2017 convention produced a really wonderful deliverable that anyone and everyone should go and download. You can find it. Um, if you just go back into this week's IFA Insider, there is a live link to 176 great tips from the Franchise Relations Summit at the 2017 convention. Um, this, is a, this is really noteworthy. It's, it's worth printing and getting a hard copy of this in your hands. It's edited by Greg Nathan of the Franchise Relationship Institute and Steve Rafsky from Paget Business Services. And it's the, the body of work that was produced out of the Franchise Relationship Summit, which was a panel of pros that included Bill Spay, President and CEO of Vasari Inc., the Dairy Queen franchisee, our good friend Mitch Cohn, CEO of Management 360, which is now Jersey Mike's, um, Maria Huberman from the UPS Store, all franchisees 
And then, of course, our good friend Charlie Chase, president and CEO of First Brands, and Russ Umpenauer, chairman of the board of Chicken Salad Chick, and CEO of Stevie B's Pizza, and, of course, the Shane's Rib Shack franchising himself. When you talk about that body of intellectual capital uh, putting on a summit that then gets transposed and translated into a deliverable document, um, there's nobody that wouldn't do well to have a copy of this in your library. Absolutely, absolutely. All lending towards sustainable franchising, which Franchise Today is all about. And I also refer to today's guest, the CEO of Restoration One, Gary Findlay. And I read a quote, Stan, that said, when people are passionate, they'll exceed expectations, they will work hard to champion the brand, and they will rise to the top in their markets no matter the competition. And looking forward for Gary sharing his perspective on what makes a great franchise, which he's quoted further as saying, support staff and success of franchisees. Gary, welcome to Franchise Today. Thank you. Thank you both for having me on today from uh, lovely Waco, Texas. So I'm, it's not quite as humid as it is in Houston, but it's uh, it's about <laughs> as bad. <laughs> yeah, I would well, imagine so. Do you know, guys, between the three of us, we've got about – a hundred years of experience in franchising, so I'd say we're bringing a little bit of our own intellectual capital to the airwaves today. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, that may tell a little bit about our ages too. Uh, I, <laughs> they say we're a little bit old. Either that, or we all started when we were really, really young, right? <laughs> we'll go with what the both? latter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll we'll go with the verse. Yep. So, Gary, you've spent uh, a lot of time uh, in franchising, a 30-plus-year veteran. Why don't you take mm-hmm. us back um, to, um, you know, Gary, when you were, when you were starting out, uh, where you rose through the ranks of different organizations, and, and take us all the way up to uh, Restoration One, because, uh, quite frankly, there's a lot in franchising that Restoration One is really a little bit under the radar. Right, right. Well, it's, uh, you know, my my career, if you take kind of my background uh, and the way I grew up, I tell people that, you know, the career I'm in today in, in franchising is kind of odd because uh, I grew up in the country outside of Waco, you know, 23 people in my graduating class, and uh, I married one, so I, I am still with her 35 years later, but, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up in a, in a country, but the main thing I learned was just hard work, work ethics, my dad was always in business. He had a stereo shop here in town. And and so when I got out of high school, my friends were going off to college, and I said, I, I want to work. I want to make money. And, and literally the first thing I did was working on a rail gang for the railroad. And um, not long after that, got in the health club industry, you know, owning my own fitness center by just sweat equity. And uh, not long after that's when I really hooked up my first time to, to understand about franchising at the Dwyer Group. At that time, they had – one uh, one franchise, which was Rainbow, and Rainbow back then was in the carpet dyeing and cleaning business. And uh, you know the great thing about it being a a you know smaller company back then, I was only in my early twenties, was I had the opportunity to work very closely with Don Dwyer. Um, I, you know I recall at nights being you know ten eleven o'clock at night. I'm newly married and you know young kids and and but you know I'm sitting up there at the office upstairs and in his office, you know, him telling me why he started the company. And, and you know, I really got excited about the franchise world and 
how you could take a, an idea and just expand it worldwide. Uh, and it just it just really intrigued me. And so over the next uh, you know few years, I, I spent some time there, and uh, uh, I actually went left for a while, got back in the health club business, and then was approached by a buddy of mine that said, "Hey, I, I've got an idea." And um, he said, I've, I've got these two fitness centers open, but I don't really know anything about franchising. And uh, that's kind of, you know, you're doing that and a little bit of your background. So I helped him kind of put the documents together. And, and um, oh, probably maybe about a month later, he, he approached me and he said, hey, I, I want you to come to work for me. What you have to understand is that at this moment in my life, uh, you know, we had uh, been in the health club industry and, and had a really down economy, and because when you go into something with just, you know, uh, sweat equity, you better have some money in your pocket, which I didn't. And and my wife and I basically, you know, we lost our health club and everything we owned. And so now I'm 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 at the Dwyer Group. I'm in a vice president position. A company's been around a long time, and I have a great position. And I go home and tell my wife, Hey, guess what? There's this company. They have two locations. I think it's a great idea. And they can pay me commission only, and I'm going to quit my job and go to work for them. And, and this is this is probably about a week before the you know the the, the debtors came and picked up our cars. And so um, it, it wasn't a great conversation, but you know you um, you look at things and go, hey, uh, I think this is good. And so that's how Curves was born. Uh, and uh, uh, we uh, we launched that. And you know at that time in my life, I was the I was the salesman. I was the guy that delivered the equipment. I was the guy that stayed there and sold fitness memberships. And um, so we did that, you know, uh, for the next eight years. Um, I worked on building that company, and, and we started uh, in 96 with those two locations. Uh, and when I kind of semi-retired in 2004 uh, as the president COO eight years later, we had 8,000 locations in 32 countries. And uh, it was the ride of a lifetime um, and very, very exciting. And, and just, you know, from that, you know, having a company blow up like that, being at the right place at the right time, you learn a lot. Uh, you know, it's drinking from a fire hose, but you learn a lot about the industry. And so that time in the franchise industry, I, I just really dug in and got to know everything I could about it. And, uh when we hit that 2004 and, and we were, you know, at 8,000 locations, I think in everyone's point in their life, they just said, yeah, I'm still only in my 40s. And I said, hey, well, I, uh, I think um, it's time for me to go on and start something else. So after that, I started Finley Group and started doing consulting for, at one point, I think I had 15 brands. I, I, I helped uh, either start or emerging brands for everything from – dog daycares to kids cooking schools to to nanny services to uh chocolate uh fondue uh, i mean a little bit of everything and um did that uh for about the next five years and got involved with uh a fitness franchise uh, on an equity buyout and spent five years as coo there and uh, then when i got out i did consulting again and just happened to run across uh, restoration one when I was looking for brands to uh, to work with. And, you know, at 55 years old, having been in this industry almost 30 years, I said, if I were going to look at a business today, what would I want it to look like? If I were going to buy something? 
And I said, you know, I, I want something that's no brick and mortar, you know, low investment, uh, low overhead, uh, and recession resistant. And when I looked at Restoration One, I said, wow, this hits all the things that, that I would look for in a business. And I got excited about it and went on just helping them really initially with development uh, and in uh, January of seven, uh, January of seventeen, sixteen, um, I took over as the uh, present CEO of the company, and we had about uh, eighteen locations at that time. And over the next year, we put on one hundred and ten locations, and today, uh, fifteen months later, we're at one hundred and thirty locations and continuing to grow. It's been an exciting run, and and. Uh, you know, there's uh, nothing better than watching people's dreams come true, and that's what we get to do every day. Well, that's the dream that we all live, isn't it, Gary? Absolutely. So, uh, before we move into a little more about Restoration One and you helping us understand more about the brand and its position in, in the competitive set, I just have a, a personal question for you. I went and looked at our LinkedIn connection today, as I usually do as we get ready to go live with our weekly podcast, and found that you are in a very small fraternity of people who boast a much larger number than mine in terms of LinkedIn connections. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling rich at close to 5,000, and you're well north of that, closer to six. But what I found was that where usually I find our peers and friends and franchising, where I'll find you know, a few hundred mutual connections together. Gary, you and I have 1,113 mutual LinkedIn <laughs> connections. But my my intrigue was this. You're a Baylor grad. Is that correct? Uh, actually, not. Uh, not? <laughs> you, no, not. I a Baylor am attendee? A, well, no, University of Mary Harden Baylor. So you were close. It uh, had the word smaller. Baylor in it. Yep. It's uh, just up the road from here. Uh, it's it's uh, a co- and and so that you know this, I I told you early on. I said my friends went to school. I went to work. After I retired from uh, from Curves, uh, I was 42 years old, and I said, look, I need to go to college now and get my degree. So I went back to school at 42, having just you know built a franchise with 8,000 locations. And what you guys will appreciate this is first day of marketing class, the instructor says, look, open your, your books, take this home. I want you to read the first three chapters. Promise you guys I'm not making this up. I get home, open my book. Chapter one of my marketing book in college was the story of curves. So I looked at it and I said, I think I'm going to make an A in this class. <laughs> so, so, but, but I have given lots of money to Baylor. I want you to know that my kids went there. So, well, I, I only ask, I only ask because I don't know that many people in Waco, Texas. Got a few friends there at uh, at you know our, at our good friends, the Dwyer Group. But yeah. I have another friend who's who's a person at Baylor who I wondered if you might know, and it's kind of interesting that I raised the question, Paul, because, you know, when people talk about our age, I always joke about me being the guy who told Ben Franklin to go fly a kite. But there's actually, <laughs> there's, a, there's actually a member of the Baylor, um, the Baylor uh, community who is the head of the management school at Baylor, a guy named Blaine McCormick, and wondered if you knew him. He's, uh, he's been there for years. And, in fact, if you don't know him, I'm going to make a personal connection for you so that you do. But he's the guy I who did, wrote the I book. I do not. Yeah, he I do not, but make that connection. Yeah. 
Well, he's at the Hankamer School of Business, and mm-hmm. and he runs the management school. And Blaine wrote the book on Benjamin Franklin, America's first entrepreneur. So the whole circle now is complete. Oh, wow. That's great. Wow. So hey, let's talk Stan, about the brand. Mutual, wait, wait. How many mutual connections do you and Gary have? 1,113. Go ahead and tell me you're going to trump that, Mr. Uh, Segreto. Yes, I am. 1,162. <laughs> <laughs> Had to do it. Had to take the limelight. There you go. <laughs> Stan, Stan, I'll hop nice, on after Stan. the call and see if I can air. make up 50. We're on the air, Stan. <laughs> yeah. Stan, Stan Thanks, be Jack. careful. We're on the air. <laughs> I hear Stan muttering under his breath. There's only us. Now, listen, hey, listen, we're a podcast. We can say whatever we want. <laughs> we don't know, know how it turns here, but it is a podcast. If we wanted to, we could. So. <laughs> yeah, go fly a kite. <laughs> there, right. So, Gary, let's talk about the brand because your space, while it is recession-proof, kind of like you know some others in the franchising space where we see a lot of replication, like in elder care and health care. But you know, while we think that there are a lot in that particular market segment, when you think about the number of consumer needs that are there to support those numbers of brands, um, it really isn't a competitive space at all. There's probably room for so many more. How does Restoration One park itself, though, against the competitive set is part one of my question. And part two is how much control do you actually have over who picks up the phone to call you? Is it insurance-driven more than anything, or is that not the way it works? Yeah. So uh, you're right. The industry's huge. Uh, There's so much going out there. You know, we we, we had a study early on said 14,000 Americans are going to experience a water damage emergency at their work or home each and every day. I was one of those people, you know, came home, had a flooded house. Uh, the whole downstairs was flooded, and it was a huge job. And so, you know, those are things that you can't control. They're going to happen, or you're going to find mold, or there's going to be a small fire. So the industry's, you know, it's it's very large, very fragmented. Most of my competitors have been around a long time. I mean, they've been around, you know, since the 70s, some of them the 60s. You know, one advantage that I do have is is that I've got territory still left. But, you know, I, I've always been of the opinion, I don't care what kind of brand it is, you know, but I, I've represented, like I said, close to 20 brands. And most of those all went into something where they had competitors in the market. And my feeling has always been there's always the next guy. You just got to do it better. You got to you got to be better at what you do and and find different ways to connect to people. And so you know, the, uh, Subway wasn't the first sandwich. It was the first sandwich shop. But then after you know, here we are many years later, and you've got so many more and bigger brands out there, or almost as big a brands today. And so you know, the things that we do, we've tried to we go about getting our customers a little bit different. But to your second question, it is it is insurance driven. Uh, the, the insurance is paying for it. You know, you pay every month that monthly premium. So when something like this happens, uh, whether it's a business or uh, your home, you're looking to that insurance to pay for it. And so, but we just go about our marketing a little bit different. We typically try to go to the to the first responders. So, uh, you know, the homeowner uh, does have the right to pick and choose who they want to do uh, the work. So we want to get out in front of them. But you know, you're you're really at the mercy of trying to go out there and be better at, at getting, um, you know, getting the consumers to take a look at you. And those are all different ways from, you know, the ways that we use our, our marketing, our SEO. But I think we got a great brand. I tell people, I said, you know, you realize that 
we're one of you know we're one of the very few brands, maybe one or two of us out there that actually have what we do in our name. We do restoration work that's in our name. You know, some of the other ones, you know, you might not know what they do, but uh, you know, we've put together a really, really good team. Half of my people come from the franchise industry. The other half come from uh, the restoration industry. So therefore, we can really uh, take and, and not just build their brand, but we really understand how to build a company and how to drive revenue to them. And, and as you guys know, it's all about validation. Uh, and so keep them happy. But I feel like we've done a good job at our branding. I feel like we've done a good job at our training uh, and we're continuing to to add to our market, and we're you know we're still doing eight to two eight to ten new sales a month currently. So let's let's hold on to that because we're getting a little yep. bit ahead of the agenda. We'll talk about the franchising side um, in a little bit, but I'm still curious about the consumer side and and the unique differentiation between Restoration One and others in the competitive set, and who it is you market toward. Predominantly, is it the insurance company, or is it the consumer, and or is it both? And you know, how challenging is it to to break through the clutter of the others in the space? Yeah, it's both. It's the consumer and the insurance company. But I tell you that we, for us, we focus more on we focus more on the consumer. And I mentioned a while ago the first responders. First responders are going to be you know if you you wake up in the morning you you roll out of bed and you step in a foot of water. Uh, the first thing you're going to do is contact uh, typically a plumber. Uh, if you have, uh, you know, other things come up, you, you find uh, other, you know, whether it's a leaky hot water heater, whatever it may be, you're going to go to those people. So we spend a lot of time building relationships, plumbers, HVAC people, uh, property management companies. And so we work very closely with them. But I would say predominantly we focus more on the consumer then we do the uh, insurance uh, agents, and we pr we're probably more towards adjuster than the agents. And then when you're in a competitive set, like what does the insurance company mandate? How does the insurance company determine whether Restoration One or, you know, brand X, Y, or Z is getting that, getting that job if a claim is pushed through by the consumer directly to the insurance company? Well, today, you know, again, when we're focusing the uh, with the consumer, so we're getting phone calls from plumbers that have done jobs or mm -hmm. directly, again, because we're focusing on the consumer. I give you a great idea, a great understanding of this is that we work a lot on, you know, uh, different social media, pay-per-click, those kind of things. So if we know that storms are coming, we may be working more uh, from a side of pay-per-click campaign for water. We're going to get the call from the consumer. The consumer going to contact us we're going to come out to their home once they sign the agreement then there's an assignment of benefits and then it gets turned over to their insurance and we work with the insurance agent make sense yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely yeah and you know it, a lot of people um, initially think about water damage and of course you know water damage can come in a lot of different ways and and as a result of obviously, uh, of a fire, too. And I know you all work right. in fire and smoke damage, mold remediation, uh, mm -hmm. commercial restoration. I'm reading off your website. And, of course, a host of emergency services, storm damage, sewage cleanup, uh, et cetera. And then, of course, even, even down to the bottom there, it's 
crime scene cleanup and uh, having spent a little time consulting in your industry, um, I was, uh, uh, let's just say, uh, happily unaware of, of how much crime scene cleanup actually uh, takes. And uh, so it is really quite diverse, diverse offerings that uh, restoration one has. So people shouldn't be just, um, you know, swayed by uh, water damage experts. You truly are experts on, on any type of cleanup, just about. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting, I think, to a lot of people, when they think of our industry, they usually think of, we'll get prospective people contact us and say, well, you know, I don't live in an area where there's a lot of uh, flooding or storms or whatever it may be. You know, that's a small, small, small percentage of our business. Uh, Mm -hmm. Those things just come along. It's the day-to-day, like you're saying, hey, they've had an uh, an AC guy out or somebody's out cleaning the ducts and they look and go, hey, wait, I I see mold. Uh, Or they had a small kitchen fire. So, you know, or you're right, you know, backed up. You have to have a special... Not a lot of our uh, people do the the bio stuff and the in the uh, crime scene cleanup. They have to have certain certifications, but uh, it's sure. a wide range of things. I mean, I had a guy last year doing uh, mold work on uh, yachts in Florida. Who would have ever thought, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. but he found a special niche in that. So, yeah, a lot of different areas to go to. You're listening to Franchise Today. I'm Stan Friedman, along with Paul Segreto, and we're talking today with Gary Finley, CEO of Texas-based Restoration One. Franchise Today is brought to you by the Franchise Foundry, where they've been bringing emerging brands to market for more than 30 years. The Foundry fosters healthy, sustainable growth for their clients, the kind that comes from experience. The Franchise Foundry provides both coaching and consulting, a hybrid approach that delivers more effective solutions for both the franchisor's corporate team as well as their franchisees. The Franchise Foundry's team is rich in practical, hands-on experience and expertise with general business management, operational and change management, digital marketing, and, of course, franchise recruitment and development. Plus, the Foundry can also assist you with creating roadmaps for potential mergers and acquisitions and provide you with the guidance needed to navigate them. Learn more about the Franchise Foundry and Paul Segreto's team, along with their expanding list of clients, at www.FranchiseFoundry.com. Franchise Today also brought to you by FRM Solutions, offering best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM empowers real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and perspective, as well as existing franchisees. This enables you to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all messages to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including text. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored with FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and stored in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for prospective franchisees, replacing those old-style virtual brochures. No long-term contracts, multiple upgrades each year at no additional cost, no excuses, just solutions on the web 
at frmsolutions.com. So Gary, we've talked a lot about you, the person, and your background, and even more about the brand and how you position and segment in the competitive set. Why don't we dial up the franchise opportunity and talk to us a little bit about who it is that you guys look for or who it is that finds you thinking that they're going to be um, ideal for your business. And sometimes we we find sometimes franchise prospects who think that the goal for becoming a franchisee is maybe being the remediator or being the guy who does the work, as in other businesses, they may think, I'm going to be the maid or I don't want to be a maid. How do you help people understand what the role of the franchisee is in your business and tell us what that looks like a day in life? Great, great. Well, you know, I'm amazed having been in this again close to 30 years, the type of the buyers that we look at today. You know, I I did uh, three discovery calls last week uh, for potential prospects, and all three of these people were in executive positions uh, that um, I believe all of them were making over 250000 a year. Uh, and they just got tired of the corporate world. They were looking for something different uh, that allowed them to go build something for themselves. But the great thing that, that they brought to the table for us was that they really focused on how to build a business. You know, it's not always about the, the, the work part of it, to be honest with you, to go out and do the job not the difficult part. Uh, it's how to go out and build a business, and build a business being, you know, how to how to bring people in, uh, sales, how to follow a system. These people are very, very good because they've created systems in large companies, so they know how to create a system. Uh, they, they know how to build a business. They focus on the bottom line, and uh, they're watching their financials. And so today's buyer uh, for us, has been so much more educated, so much more, uh, you know, really focused on building an organization. Now, that's two different kinds of people. You have people that say, hey, and, you know, it's surprising a lot of these people. I've got guys that are coming out of high-tech executive jobs. Uh, we've got, you know, this last year we've had Wall Street guys. We've had bankers. We've had um, accountants. We've had uh, high-level uh, uh, executives. And, um, you know, I kind of thought they'd come in and say, well, I want to hire a technician to run the business. Uh, But, you know, they spent the first month getting their hands dirty and getting involved in it. Not all of them, but a lot of them did. But, you know, they understand the old adage that you inspect what you expect. So if they bring a business in there, uh, bring, bring a partner in to run the business, they really focus on what they're doing day to day. And so we, we help them through our training process and we're able to take the guy that wants to be an owner-operator and actually do the work uh, and show him uh, how to build his business, or the guy who just wants to um, hire somebody as a technician and go out and uh, do the sales and really the management of the business. So today's buyer uh, is different, and it has really added to the success of what we're seeing. And uh, so, you know, there's lots of different ways to go out there and, and and get prospects, as you guys know, we've been very fortunate with a with a with a great, great, great consulting group that's really put us on the map this last year, but uh, really brought us uh, overqualified almost candidates. And uh, so, with that, uh, that's where we're really seeing our success right now. And as I mentioned earlier in the call, validation. Um, our validation is better than any 20 companies I've ever worked for, so that makes you know that makes our job a little bit easier. We we're not selling ourselves; the company's selling itself, and uh, so we've seen some 
some uh, really great uh, movement in there. So uh, people that want to run the business and people that want to just turn it over and hire people, we're, we see a little bit of both. And you're also seeing a new trend for Restoration One, I call it a trend, as you welcomed your first woman franchisee mm-hmm. just last week. Tell us a little bit about yes. that because, as we know, your industry is, is pretty much male-dominated. It has been, yeah, and that's why it was so exciting to to get Beth in. Uh, she's got a great background. You know, we were able to uh, – she came along about the time we were having our annual conference, and uh, – I invited her and five other people out to our conference and got to spend some time with her. And uh, she's just really a a a, a str- is very strong in management, very strong in people skills. And we, um, you know, we want people to know out there this is a business that um, you can take and build. And whether it be male or female, uh, they can use the skills that they've had we've got a, a i think our second female coming on here in a month out in california which is exciting again but uh, really starting to see a lot and there you know that's a that's a huge part of the of the market out there today that are as well as looking to get out of careers and build a business and with ours uh what i hear over and over again is is every time they look at it they go well i'll be honest with you you know i looked at three other businesses I say, why, why did you pick us? And along with Beth, same thing. She said, I looked at the ramp up time for the business and the opportunity uh, in the market, and those things got me excited about it. So we're uh, seeing a, a very exciting trend. That's it. that's uh, making things happen. I think she comes out to training next month, and um, so we're looking forward to bringing her on board. That really sounds great. Um, it's always great as uh, as new. Uh, milestones are hit, and certainly even as successful as Restoration One has been, another milestone, and I'm sure uh, more to come in the future. Tell us a little bit about, you know, a day in the life of a Restoration One franchisee, understanding, you know, or going at it from the perspective that, you know, a lot of people might shy away from uh, a restoration type of opportunity because of fear that, you know, they're, they, they don't have industry experience. They don't know how to actually do restoration. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the day in the life of a, of a franchisee for Restoration One. Well, now I understand, too, I kind of make fun of myself. You know, I, I am building one of the fastest uh, restoration franchises in the country, and I don't know if you put two machines in the same room, I don't know if I could tell you which was which. So, uh, you know, I may be turning on, instead of a machine, I may be turning on the disposal. So uh, you don't have to have a background in this industry. What you got to be able to do, just like me, and that's why these people are great. They know how to hire a team and manage. So the, the day in the life of a of a owner is really uh, going out and getting business, and that business is building relationships in your community uh, with these people we talked about, these first responders. So getting in front of uh, property management companies, uh, getting in front of firehouses, getting in front of of uh, plumbers and uh, electricians and contractors. And so it's a sales-related business and sales-driven. So you don't have any work to do until you get out there and get the work. So the real uh, day of that person is to go out and build relationships. And all of them have experience doing that, which has been great. And uh, then as you get a job, again, most of these hire a technician. 
Uh, they don't have to start with a technician, but they they get one on pretty quick after they get going, and then they just get them lined up on a job. As soon as they get them lined up on a job, they're off to the next sale. And uh, we spend a lot of time teaching our franchisees uh, how to go get business. And so, you know, I tell them I I don't make any bones about it. Is that you make we make money when you make money. So our we wake up every day trying to figure out how we can drive revenue to our franchisees, and that's where our focus is. Darren, let's talk about the franchise opportunity itself or opportunities, and I guess that therein lies the question, how do you offer your opportunities? Are they all owner-operator? Do you have multi-unit operators? Do you have area developers? Or uh, how does that territory dif- differentiation work? Yeah, to today, Stan, we do mostly individual. Uh, we sell individual franchises. We've had a few, just like Beth, who bought multiple locations. We don't do any area developers. We don't do any master agreements. Uh, you know, having done this for many years, uh, that's just not that was not my goal of building the company. I wanted to be able to to build strength and build it one at a time. But uh, we have um, on a phone call yesterday, I had with a prospective buyer who was doing their diligence. They said one of the things that really excited me about your company was the number of franchisees that are new that one of the things they talked about, you know, they've been, they're six months old or less, almost all of them talked about getting their next location. And so we do them one off, one at a time, uh, and, and focus on getting that revenue up, and then they can come along and buy the next one. So that that has worked for me not only here but in, in others in the past. I, I'm not a huge area development guy, um, you know, just because I hate losing control of that and being able to focus on, you know, I want corporate to drive revenue, and this allows me, uh, you know, to continue with our plan for the future, which is to acquire other brands that are service-related that feed off of each other. Are there any designs on international growth or expansion, or is a company with a model like yours better served keeping it uh, stateside? Well, we're better served to put our focus stateside, but we've already started uh, some initial plans on international. Uh, it looks like Europe would be the first place that we'll go, and so I've been having conversations. I did uh, go out to a show out there a couple of months ago and uh, displayed, and, and when we have the IFE coming up in New York, I'll spend uh, you know part of that. We'll be looking at international opportunities. So, no, we want to do both. Our, our original founder uh, is from Hungary, and he moved here when he was, you know, 15 years old, didn't speak a, a, a lick of English, and so he, uh, you know, he he is that true success story, and he wants to go back to Europe. He wants to take this back. So we'll see international as well. Very very interesting. You know, I just want to shift gears a little bit. I mean, leader of a uh, the one of the fastest growing restoration companies. Uh, in the country and, and possibly the world, um, and like Stan and myself, 30-plus year um, industry veteran, and you've taken to the, um, the kind of the new age world of digital and content. I noticed you routinely and frequently uh, have an article in a local uh, Waco paper, and of course the, uh, the brand looks like it has some solid uh, social media presence online. Tell us a little bit about that and how, because it seems like restoration, social media is just so far apart. 
tell us the philosophy <laughs> about bringing it and marrying it together. Well, I, I'll tell you that I have always been a believer, even when I did franchise consulting, uh, in hiring a PR firm. That To me, that's huge. Uh, you need to always go out and find people that are better at doing things than what you are. And so, you know, this past year we we brought on a new firm, and they do a lot of uh, uh, social media, and they were able to find ways to, to really hit home. So some of the things that we really focus on are the things that, that uh, to the consumer that homeowners are concerned about, what they should be doing to get ready uh, for spring and what kind of things they should look for to make sure they don't find mold in their home. And then uh, just the excitement. I just had a meeting this morning with my staff that are all in town, and I said, look, guys, I want to be in the news every month uh, from between now and the end of the year, and I don't want it to be little. I want it to be big. So we're always rolling out new programs. We're always creating uh, new opportunities. And so we, we've just – I know from uh, – 20 years back. I mean, when I started uh, Curves, it was out of my home. I had a fax machine in my bedroom. Uh, it was a thermal fax, as you guys can remember, and that thing went off all night long, and I get up the next morning, it was like reading the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, you know, you pull it apart, and I'd have to sit there and cut it and, and staple these applications together, but today's uh, world is uh, uh, all about social media. It's all about uh, the Internet, and you know, we go back and look at our statistics from our website. About 60% of that is all on mobile. So people are looking uh, at businesses uh, just different ways today. And so if you're not part of that, you're going to get left behind. And, and fortunately for me, um, I've got uh, my son who works in a business who came from another franchise, and he's uh, he, a lot of the people we have on staff or along uh, his era. So these guys, you know, they've lived, they've grown up with social media. So being able to find different stories that connect to the consumer is the way that we're tying our social media together. Excellent. Of course, I do want to uh, give a shout-out to your current PR firm, um, biz.com. Monica Fied and her team, uh, we really appreciate the fact of bringing guests like yourself and other guests uh, to the show, so um, yep, they're, yeah, they're amazing. I, I definitely, yeah. yeah, they are amazing, and of course, um, they're also instrumental in in bringing us guests like Dina Dwyer and uh, Owens and others from the um, from the uh, the Dwyer group as well. You know, great team of professionals. Well, Gary, you know, um, tell us a little bit about upcoming up, where you're going to be, uh, where can people learn more about the opportunity. Sure. So we will be at the IFE coming up, like Stan said earlier. It's, uh, you know, I'm kind of the same way. I thought, well, it's a couple of months away. No, it's not months. It's weeks. Um, so we, we've got to get focused on that. We'll be there at that show. Uh, we'll uh, attend, you know, one or two other shows this year. But really the best place is just our website at www.restoration1, and it's the number one, dot com. And, uh, and you know, look at our – we have a, a Facebook page, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, as uh, Stan said. And so we focus a lot on these areas. That's the best place to find us and learn more about our company. Uh, reach out to us. We'd love to send you information. But uh, in addition to that, I'm uh, working on a book this year that I hope to get out by the end of the year to tell 
uh, my story and, and own up to uh, how I got into this industry and a little bit about our company. So hopefully have that finished by the end of the year and can really uh, let people know more about what we're doing. But uh, um, that would uh, be the best way. And if they're in the New York show, I'd love to see them come up to our booth. Hey, and I want to give a shout-out to Gary because you, you talked about your son, but I want to I want to call Micah out as a great guy that I've gotten to know a little bit over the course of years in franchising, and you're lucky to have him on your team. So um, you've got the best of both worlds, father, son, working together. You know, can't get too much better than that for you, can it? It it can't. Of course, you know, he takes the brunt of everything. When you're when you're the kid, you're going to get chewed out more than everybody. So, uh, <laughs> but but he's he's learned well. Uh, he's learned well over the years. He's paid attention, and you know, I tell him, I say, listen. Let me remember something. I remind you of something. Uh, I fired your mom three times at Curve, so understand I don't play favoritism. So, <laughs> so he's done well. But I did want to tell you guys, I, I really appreciate you having me on the show. This is awesome what you do, being part of this industry. And, and again, you're right. You guys have uh, massive experience in, in this industry. Being able to uh, share that with others is great. I do appreciate the fact that, that you didn't have me following Dina Dwyer, that she's coming on after me because she's hard to follow. So, uh, yeah, she is. Uh, but uh, I, I, I really uh, I love this industry. I love everybody in it and, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, be around for many more years doing the same thing, uh, making dreams come true for uh, individuals. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. Thanks, and uh, and I look forward to as we were saying before the show, uh, Gary. You know, you and I we live a couple hundred miles away from right. each other. Right. I never had the chance of of meeting, and certainly, if it's not before, then I'll certainly meet you at the uh, International Franchise Expo in New York, June fifteenth to seventeenth. You're right; we are weeks away. Thanks again. Weeks away. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for your time today. Great talking to you, Gary. Thank you. Uh You too, Stan. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Another great interview, uh, Stan. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know about the uh, the restoration uh, industry, uh, as I had alluded to on the uh, during the interview. I spent a little time doing some consulting and was quite intrigued by the industry because it's a lot more than just extracting water. Oh, my God, you could see so much. Uh, so much stuff, whether it be mold remediation, crime scene cleanup. I remember a company I was consulting with on Christmas Day, one of our biggest accounts, actually our biggest account was Starbucks. And all the way down here in Houston, we got a call on Christmas Day that somebody had fallen in a Starbucks and uh, and cracked their head open and couldn't find anybody to come in and do, uh, you know, that type of uh remediation and cleanup and got to see the guys in the in the white suits uh, something out of a, a sci-fi movie i was a little curious where you were heading when you started talking about you and crime scenes i had no idea where that was going paul <laughs> yeah speaking we'll of that, though, family members <laughs> yeah but speaking of that you know gary was talking about wanting to be in the news all the time and how it's always good to be you know to be news uh, relevant to be out there in the news that he, I think he said he wants to be, you know, a major story on him at least once a month. I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, James Comey might make a good franchisee for him. He might be looking for something <laughs> to do. What do you think? <laughs> he likes to be in the media. <laughs> yeah, well, we know we don't like to go down the road of uh, of politics here. So, uh, 
But <laughs> being you already started that out, you, 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 you indicated that I was trying to trump you. No pun intended. Um, yeah, it's all good stuff. A lot of great connections. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. It is. And, and, and guys yeah. like Gary are a treasure trove of information. I mean, you know, look, Curves, he, he built it and he, he grew it. We all know that Curves has had, as many other brands have had, its ups and its downs. Sometimes slow and steady is better than rapid fire. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And Gary has certainly lived um, the ups and the downs and has gotten stronger and better every day by some of the things that you live through that aren't the high spots or where the best lessons are taken. Isn't that true? Well, it's very true. And for our weekly pun intended, yeah, life does throw us a curve once in a while. Hey, anyway, Paul, as we, come close, as we come close to wrapping another one, um, I I was thinking about sharing this at the beginning of the program, but because it's the story about uh, somebody's sunsetting, I thought I would save it for closer to the end of the program today. I just want to give a shout-out to a great guy who I've gotten to know through the years, uh, way back to my blimpy days, and more recently I've seen him every one of the last few years at the Fagri Baker Daniels Summit, and that's uh, Tony Joya, the chairman and CEO of Togo's, who is planning his retirement for May 31st. Yep. He's going to stay active on the company's board, but he's going to replace himself with Glenn Lund, who's currently serving as the company's chief concept officer, and he'll become president of the brand effective June 1st. I wish nothing but the best to Tony, who I can't imagine him retiring. He still looks, you know, there must be something in the sandwich segment. Um, Tony Conza, when I see him, still looks like 45, 50 years old. Tony is the same way. He just looks like he, he has never aged. But um, here he goes stepping down and passing the baton and doing so on a, on a great brand like Togo. So congratulations to Tony and all the best in retirement to him. That's great. Yeah, long career. And hopefully next week we uh, will get to congratulate uh, Jennifer Beal Saxton, Tot Squad, who this week, as I said, is with none other than Tori Birch herself in the running for um, a great entrepreneurial award there. But even if she's not the, uh, the sole winner, certainly congratulations go out to her. I mean, to be narrowed down to the top 10 is just an, an extraordinary feat. And I really and the audience, to, uh, the audience had better, the audience had better fasten their seatbelts for that segment <laughs> of franchise today, because that's probably going to be the highest energy highest level energy guest that uh, has appeared on Franchise Day, at least in my tenure as co-host. Um, she's going to bring a bundle of energy. Save save your coffee break that day for after and see if you need it. Uh, you may just get all the lift that you can stand from an hour with Jennifer on our podcast. She's got energy unlike any 20 people I know. Yep, she certainly does. Until next week, my name is Paul Segreto, wishing you the best the very best in this great, great thing we call franchising. And Franchise Today is out. <laughs> franchise pros stand amazed. Paul Segretto, Badlands, baby. Huh. Franchising Today, sustainable growth, the sensible franchising. 
franchise today. Sustainable growth through sensible franchising.